Hello, I'm Mariette Sneeman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on how to take really good care of yourself and others. Please note that this episode contains a candid discussion of sexual practices and is intended for adult listeners. In this episode we're looking at painful sex in women, causes and cures. My guest is Dr. Jeray Sarfontein from Pretoria, a medical doctor working exclusively in the field of sexual medicine. Hi Jeray. Hello Mariette. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful. Thank you for having me. To our listeners, at the end of the podcast, Jeray will give us her three best tips for sexual satisfaction and then it's fun question time. Jeray, is painful sex something you often see in your consulting rooms? Unfortunately, yes. That is something I deal with every single day. It's a very common condition and often the women walk around with it for years and years before they see someone that can help them. Um, and we know that about one in five women will struggle with painful sex somewhere in their lives. And I suppose it's a it's quite a, a taboo to talk about. Yeah, I think South Africa is a very conservative community, regardless of the the religion or the culture or the race that you are. South African community in general is very conservative, so we don't talk about sex. So, if you struggle with it and you experience pain, who do you go to? You you were brought up that this is not a topic that's okay to talk about. So it is unfortunately still a very taboo topic. Mm. And that might explain why women just, as you say, walk around having mm. this problem and, and not don't, do not seek help. Exactly. But if it's such a common problem, what are the causes? Why does sex hurt? So the first thing we need to identify is, is it an acute thing, meaning that it, it recently started and it's never been like that before and it can go away by itself sometimes, or is it a chronic problem? So an acute thing could be a recent infection, something like a vaginal candida infection that can cause irritation, certain sexual transmitted infections such as herpes can cause a burning sensation around the external genitalia so then that could cause a acute pain while the infection or the insult is there but then there's certain conditions that can lead up to chronic pelvic pain or chronic sexual pain and that's where um, my passion is and the things that we see there is two main conditions that I want to emphasize today. The one is vulvodynia or vestibulodynia, and that is where there's a burning sensation or discomfort or pain around the opening of the vagina or on the external genitalia. Then there's another condition that we see often is something we call vaginismus. And vaginismus is the involuntary contractions of the muscles around the vagina resulting on painful penetration. So those ladies will often tell me that they feel pain as the penis enters the vagina. They can't use tampons when they're on their period. So anything going into the vagina is quite painful. And how do you go about treating this? So like anything in medicine, we identify the cause and then we focus on that. So if it's a acute thing, like such as an infection, we treat the infection and then we take it from there. Um, the vulvodynias and the vestibulodynias that I spoke about, the sensitivity around the opening, 
is often related to hormonal abnormalities and the use of oral contraceptives could be a contributing factor there. So then we'd look at the contraceptive pill that the lady's taking, seeing if there's other contraceptive options that's better. Um, we, If there's recurring infections, we want to prevent the infections. But for the sensitivity, there's a cream that we use that helps assist with the irritation, puts back the hormones that's supposed to be there if there's hormonal abnormality. But the vaginismus is the very common thing that we see. And the way we treat that is multidisciplinary. So the first thing is, like I mentioned, it's a muscle problem. So we refer to pelvic floor physiotherapists that will help with relaxing the muscles of the vagina. We also um, advise getting vaginal dilators that the ladies can use at home to stretch those muscles gradually at the comfort um, at home. And then often any sexual pain that you're experiencing becomes a psychological thing. You get to a point where you almost want to, to avoid sex. I've had a lot of patients just talking about sex. They almost get panic attacks. So it becomes very stressful and anxious for them. So we also refer to psychologists to help with the psychological impact of the pain. Yes, I once read that for some um, women with vaginismus, if they think that something should touch their vagina, it feels like other people would feel when they put their hand on a, on a hot stove. Exactly, yes. So it's not something to be taken lightly. Mm -mm. To go back to the hormones, uh, you mentioned that contraceptives could affect the hormones. How does that work and how do you test for that? So with contraceptives, most of the oral contraceptives um, contain a fake estrogen, ethanol estradiol, which is, if it's not a fake estrogen, it doesn't have the ability to bind to the estrogen receptors um, on the genital area. And then we see vaginal dryness. And if something is dry, there's more friction. And then we get something we call neuroproliferation, where there's literally more nerve fibers being laid down around that area. So it's just more sensitive to touch and that's where the contraceptives um, come to play. And the way we test for that is something we call a Q-tip test where we literally just take an earbud and touch the ex external genitalia around the opening on the vestibulum of the vulva and see if there's sensitivity to touch. And then we make the diagnosis of vestibulodynia. I see. And no blood tests involved in, in this not for the diagnosis of the pain. Um, we often do blood tests for sexual problems in ladies where we are worried about poor arousal or low libido. Um, and then we want to have a look at the female testosterone levels. But that doesn't come into play with the physical cause of pain. I think many people might find it very strange to think that you would have a physiotherapist involved in this sort of problem. Could you explain a little? So, um, like I said, the vaginismus is mainly a muscle problem. And when I've got a muscle spasm, I want that muscle to relax. And who's first in line to help me? A physiotherapist. So we've got physiotherapists that's highly trained specifically in pelvic floor, pelvic function, addressing the pelvic floor dysfunction that we see. And they do a physical examination as well, 
evaluating which muscles are mostly affected. They help you give you exercises that you can do at home to strengthen the weak muscles, to loosen the muscles that's in spasm. So it is quite a difficult thing to wrap your head around, but that's basically the key players when it comes to dealing with vaginismus. So if you would need the help of a physiotherapist and you live far from the city, uh, I suppose you could come in and see somebody and as you said, perhaps they could give you some exercises to do at home. Then. Yes, so we've had patients in the past where they've, they stay on a farm not close to the city at all and they come in to Pretoria and they stay here in a guest house for a week and they go to the physio every single day to help um, learn the exercises, get the stretching done and then they can continue with the dilators at home. So even if you can't see a physio on a regular basis, I really think that even one session is going to be beneficial. Yeah, and I think once again, it, it is not a cheap option to come here and see the physiotherapist, perhaps have the psychologist treat mm. you. But if you think of the long term, then it might be worth it for people. No, definitely. Most of our patients where they where we start the treatment process and I don't see them for a year and they come back, uh, they would tell me the pain never went away fully. And then we, we look back, what happened is they started with the dilators and they didn't dilate to the way we advised. They didn't follow up with the physios. They didn't see the psychologist. So if you are not going to tick all the boxes, unfortunately, we don't get such good results. But it is an individualized approach. I had patients where one physio session and using the dilators at home, everything was fine after that. But like I said, everyone is different. Mm. And the psychological treatment, is that only for the woman? So that's not for the couple? So it can become a couple problem as well because the partner that's not affected by the pain also gets to a point where they experience low libido or sexual avoidance because they don't want to hurt their partner. And often that we see is the partner that's affected, we do the treatment and we got to a point where penetration is possible and pain-free, but the relationship is so uncomfortable now because we couldn't have sex for five years, for instance, and now all of a sudden we just have to go back to how it was in the past, but it's not that easy. And then it's very important to work as a, with, a, um, with a counselor or psychologist on the relationship and just get intimacy back to where it's supposed to be. Yeah. And if I listen to you, it sounds to me as if women with, with a problem with painful sex can be sure that it's not all in their head. No, it's definitely not all in their head. Um, really, most of my... I haven't seen one patient. There hasn't been one single patient since I've been doing sexual medicine that experienced sexual pain where it was all in their head. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I suppose... It's always good to be able to put this on the table once again and to have your partner know what is going on. Exactly. Yeah, no, if you can't communicate, then your partner's not going to know. You're going to avoid sex and your partner's going to think it's because you're not interested in him or her, but um, it's because of pain. If you experience pain, obviously you don't want to do it. So mm. it becomes a big problem. 
I can think if a couple comes to you, you must see a lot of relieved faces a little way into, into the consultation. <laughs> yes, I think often there's tears involved and the tears are, why did we wait so long to get help? The tears are often of relief that there is hope. And sometimes the tears are because it takes longer than we expected. But um, yeah, at, at the end of the day, if, if we can make the right diagnosis, then that's the first starting point and then we know what we need to treat. And if you're a mum with a daughter, what do you think should you be looking out for and what should you be telling your daughter in this regard? So I think the first thing as a mother is to learn, teach your child that sex is not ha-ha and seesaw. It is a beautiful thing and it's special and it should never, ever be painful. The other thing is when girls start menstruating, try to get your daughter to be comfortable using tampons because most of my patients that struggle with primary vaginismus, meaning that they've never been able to have pain-free sex, Going back, they say they've never been able to use tampons because any penetrative action is painful. So if a lady is comfortable using a tampon, she gets comfortable with, okay, that's my vagina. I know my anatomy. Something can go in there. It's not going to um, disappear. I will find it again. It's not this endless tunnel. And you're almost in touch with your own femininity and your own anatomy and you know how you work. And if you can't use a tampon, then that's almost a red flag on maybe we should think about pelvic problems and spasms and we need to treat that or deal with it before it becomes a massive problem. So who do you go to then with your daughter? We can start with one of the My Sexual Health doctors and just give basic information and advice on how to deal with that. And obviously, if someone is not sexually active, we are not going to put too much pressure on the treatment of vaginismus. To go to the physiotherapist to stretch the vagina mm. when you're not active just doesn't make sense. But it's about getting the right information and how to prevent problems going forward. That's very sensible. So this girl will know that there might be a problem. Mm. And if there's a problem, she doesn't have to panic. Exactly. She knows what can be done. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And if she gets to a stage in a relationship where sex becomes part of the relationship, then she can communicate mm. about it to her partner. Yes, definitely. So I've had a few patients where they come in, they want to discuss contraception before they get married. Um, they are not sexually active yet and they're hoping to have this beautiful wedding and then their sex lives just start after that and everything's going to be perfect. But when I talk to them, some of the girls can't use tampons. And then we maybe just talk about using, um, starting to use tampons with lubrication and just to see if you yourself can stretch the vagina before the wedding. And then if there's a problem with penetration, then you get help. Good. And now, please, your three best tips on sexual satisfaction. So the first thing is that you need to know what is pleasurable for you before your partner can give it to you. So you need to be in touch with yourself. Masturbation is normal. It's acceptable. And self-stimulation is the way that you learn yourself and then you can communicate to your partner what you need. The second thing is talk about sex. So if you can't talk about sex with your partner, then you're not going to have pleasurable sex. 
And then the third thing is just allow yourself to experience pleasure. Forget about the chores that still need to be done. Just shut down a bit and focus and be mindful of the moment and enjoy it and allow yourself to enjoy it. Thank you. Now, Jeray, I know this is your fun question. I know you're the mother of two young boys. And my question is, if little boys were made of chocolate, which flavor do you think would suit them best? <laughs> um, no, I think my youngest, definitely top deck because he's a combination of everything. He is sweet and busy and bizarre and just keeps me on my toes. And um, my eldest is this sweet, loving, so I love dark chocolate. So I, he's just this mouth-watering, adorable person that's just so soft. So dark chocolate for my eldest and top deck for my youngest. <laughs> What a lovely testimonial <laughs> for your boys. Jeray is part of the team of professionals at My Sexual Health. And if you Google Dr. J. Sarfontaine, you will find her website. drjeraysarfontaine.co.za Thank you, Jeray, for spending time with us. Thank you. To our listeners, thank you for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you care about. It would be greatly appreciated if you would rate and review the podcast series where you download your podcasts. Calm, Clear and Helpful is available on iTunes, Spotify, Iono FM and Player FM. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me, Mariette Sneeman, and the music is by Mark Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9.